Well, good evening and welcome again, uh, friends of Carmel and uh, listeners to this program. We're glad to be back with you again this evening. How are you this evening, Francis? <laughs> I'm enjoying a life of trial and tribulation that results in great blessings. <laughs> this Lent, I hope you are too. <laughs> I was going to say it must be Lent then, if, uh, if that's the case. Well, it's great to uh, be back with you, uh, even in the midst of trials and tribulations. And uh, I'd like to begin our program in prayer. And Francis, I will ask you, as I do each week, would you please lead us in prayer this evening? Yes, and these prayers uh, are directly related to our topic tonight of practicing the presence of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O Lord, grant that I may seek you, not only at certain moments during the day, but also at every instant of my life. Grant that I may always live in your presence with my interior gaze fixed on you. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, tonight, Francis, as we promised, uh, and for all our listeners, we're going to uh, cover really the last section of the collection of Brother Lawrence's works that we have not covered yet, and that's his letters. And what I think is important about the letters, of course, his principal work is practicing the presence of God, uh, there were earlier his conversations that he had with a number of people, but principally Father Beaufort. Uh, Father Beaufort also wrote his eulogy and wrote The Ways of uh, Brother Lawrence, which described his own um, um, evidence of Brother Lawrence's life lived out. Uh, but tonight we're going to get to hear directly from Brother Lawrence in an informal way, uh, giving counsel and uh, spiritual direction, really, to uh, a number of people, uh, principally nuns who he wrote to, uh, some lay people, and one spiritual director who are uh, represent the compilation of his letters. Right, this is so wonderful because it's so personal and intimate. So letters are a great way to get the heart of the person. Yeah, um, the uh, introduction to the letters says, Brother Lawrence reveals himself in these letters now as an upright, free, very happy man who has now attained full maturity. I want to say something about that in just a moment, Francis. But uh, the spiritual and the human side coincide perfectly. And I want to take us all the way back to the first uh, program in the series on Brother Lawrence. Do you remember our talking about how Brother Lawrence later in his life, quite frankly, towards the very end of his life, uh, said, I'm the most content of men, uh, or words to that effect, but the point being this word contentment. Yes. Uh, and we know that the Latin derivation of that speaks about tending towards, in other words, everything tending towards this center. Brother Lawrence, in his writing, certainly, and in his own life, uh, manifested this idea that is so central to Christianity, so central to union with God. And that's three things. One, first, is the union of our daily life with prayer. Prayer is not something separate and apart from daily life. It's inherent in our daily life. It has to be lived out in the course of our daily life, not just in those uh, specific moments of prayer, either the Eucharist or uh, formal moments of meditation and so forth, but really uh, uh, becoming a lived-out experience. Right. Uh, Just instead of a prayer life, a life of prayer. Yeah. And and someone referred to Brother Lawrence, and I thought the comment was uh, uh, very fitting, that he was prayerified. Oh, right? Yes, that His was an interesting way. His existence it. manifested uh, prayer. And, and, of course, we know that his practicing of the presence of God was something that he was able to maintain later in his life. He was able to maintain this uh, 24 hours a day. The second is the union uh, of the spiritual and the material part of the human person. We Part of Christ's mission, of course, was to reunify us, to make us whole, to put things back in proper order, that we would become the spiritual beings we were designed to be, and that the material aspects of our nature, which is part of the human nature, now become unified and subordinate to the spiritual. And, of course, the third, the highest level, is that union of our spirit, then, with God, who is pure spirit. Right, And so he lived out these three levels of unification, prayer and daily life, spirit and material, and spirit of ours with the Spirit of God. Wonderful. I want to take a quick break here, though. We have a very special treat this evening. I didn't tell you about this, Francis, and I hope <laughs> I, the mechanics work here. I love surprises. <laughs> uh, well, the... Um, 
this is actually designed to emphasize something that I wanted to uh, emphasize, and I'll share that in just a moment. And again, I want to reemphasize this point. We're going to hear from Brother Lawrence this evening. We're going to hear from his letters, and we're going to hear from a man uh, of some maturity. And let me just give you a, a lead into that. We actually have a special treat. We have Brother Lawrence this evening uh, reading to us. Now, I don't know if you know this, but of course, all the Carmelite uh, saints, many of the Carmelite saints wrote poetry. Uh, Brother Lawrence didn't actually write poetry, at least none that we have with us. Uh, but nonetheless, he had a great affinity for poetry. And so we have him reading some great poets. Would you like to hear that this evening, Francis? Well, yes. <laughs> right. And I didn't know they had recordings back in the 1600s, so this will be interesting. Well, this is this is the benefit of the mystical element of karma, <laughs> is that you, you get to take advantage of these sorts of things. Let me see if I can do the mechanics here to play this up. Okay. And, and for our listening audience, this will be the voice of Brother Lawrence reading poetry. Okay, he's trying to push the button here, so hang on with us. All right, I think we got it. All out of doors look darkly in at him. Through the thin frost, almost in separate stars that gathers on the pane in empty rooms. What kept his eyes from giving back the gaze was the lamp tilted near them in his hand. What kept him from remembering what it was that brought him to that creaking room was age. He stood with barrels round him at a loss, and having scared the cellar under him in clumping there, he scared it once again in clumping off, and scared the outer night, which has its sounds familiar, like the roar of trees and crack of branches, common things, but nothing so like beating on a box. A light he was to no one but himself, where now he sat, concerned with he knew what. A quiet light, and then not even that. He consigned to the moon, such as she was, so late arising, to the broken moon, as better than the sun in any case for such a charge, his snow upon the roof, his icicles along the wall to keep, and slept. The log that shifted with a jolt once in the stove disturbed him, and he shifted, and eased his heavy breathing, but still slept. One aged man, one man, can't keep a house, a farm, a countryside, or if he can, it's thus he does it of a winter night. All right. Well, for those of you who uh, listened to uh, Francis's uh, uh, preemptive comments to that, you know that, of course, that was not Brother Lawrence himself. As much as we'd like to play the mystical card here and suggest that he's joined us in the studio this evening. But the character of that voice does match my preconceived notion of what his voice might sound like. Well, that's good. I'll tell you what we're going to do, though. We are going to uh, uh, lay out a challenge to our listening audience this evening uh, to... Uh, call us or write to our email uh, account and uh, share with us who it is that you think that is, who, whose voice is that that we uh, just played this evening. And I'm going to leave that out there as sort of a challenge for... Okay. Well, we got to give them the, the email address because that's rather new. Okay. You can uh, write to us at carmelite.conversations at yahoo.com and the Carmelite is with a capital C so capital C carmelite.conversations at yahoo.com yeah so that's probably the best way to get to us this evening or if you do want to join the conversation and share that uh, response on uh, the phone please give us a call at 1-866-333-7825 Seven, nine. Again, that's one 6279 I will share. Uh, uh, I, I won't give the hints. If we don't have, have a call in the first 10 minutes, Francis, maybe we'll give a few hints. But here's the point and the reason for the uh, playing of the uh, uh, poet, who, by the way, was reading his own poetry, um, is that it does leave the impression that we want to leave as to who the man is that is writing these letters. This is not a young man. We've talked about Lawrence throughout his life. We've talked about his experiences as a young sh soldier, uh, as a young brother entering the Carmel in Paris, uh, and the difficulties that he went through in the first 10 years. But largely in the last 40 years of his life, he lived this practice of the presence of God. 
uh, and lived that at, at quite a great height of, of spiritual union with the Lord. And these last these letters are from basically the last ten years of his life. In fact, a couple of the letters there at the end are from you know maybe a week before his death. Yeah, and and that's what I wanted to stress is this idea that we're talking, or listening rather, this evening to a man of considerable spiritual experience. And wisdom. And wisdom, Mm -hmm. evidenced by the fact uh, that he was uh, approached by not only the nuns who he's writing to here, a number of other brothers within the Carmel, priests within the Carmel, and at least three bishops that we know went to visit him and seek his counsel, not just to uh, witness his life, but to seek his counsel. So this is a man of of considerable wisdom, of considerable experience. And Uh, one who had suffered a great deal as well. Yeah, in fact, um, in the introduction to the letters, it says, it is not surprising that the main theme of these letters is the search for and the experience of the presence of God. On several occasions, Lawrence also addressed those who were suffering from physical problems because people wanted to know, and I've said it so many times because I believe (laughs) that it is the great challenge of the Christian walk, of our union, of our relationship with the Lord, and oftentimes in our conversations with the Lord. Not just why do we suffer? Why is there so much suffering in the world? This is a staggering question for so many people to wrestle with, but I think the Lord would have us ask a different question, and that is, how do I transform suffering into love? Right. If the cross is the highest manifestation of the expression of love from our Lord, which we we understand it to be, then how can I take the crosses in my life and transform them into love? Now, Francis, uh, I understand you were approached by someone who's asked us to perhaps address that question in a later program. We don't right. certainly want to do that this evening. Yes, uh, it's it's a mystery to know about suffering, why bad things happen to good people, as the saying goes. And so Brother Lawrence in his letters does address that. So I recommend highly for our listeners to to. Get this, get access. I'm sure you can get it through your libraries too. You can get it on the internet. The to, text, you're saying, yeah, the text, you know. and and read for yourself what he talks about on um, trials and suffering. So as we go through the letters, we're going to highlight certain aspects, and I'm we probably will hit that tonight too. So we'll see where that takes us. Well, in fact, we can begin there. This is the last part of the introduction to the letters, and I wanted to just take a moment to read this. I thought it was a particularly. Uh, appropriate for the comments we've just made on suffering. Lawrence of the Resurrection experienced suffering and submitted to it, but at the same time, he governed and directed it. That's key. He transformed it into love. Suffering, personal imperfection. Does anybody have any imperfections (laughs) they have to deal with? I could run a litany for myself. (laughs) Suffering. If you don't, then you have a big one. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And somebody ought to tell you about it. (laughs) Suffering, personal imperfection, and emotional problems have never been satisfactorily explained. Now listen, um, uh, this is commentary. Uh, some will try to explain it. They'll try to explain it away, or they'll try to give it you know, short shift, or they'll say, oh, well, you know, we just offer these things up. But when you're in the midst of that suffering, when you have taken on your cross, when you've mounted uh, the steps of Calvary, and perhaps you've been placed on that cross, um, You will know because you may well find yourself uttering these words, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's the pinnacle of suffering. And somehow our Lord uh, wanted to provide us the example of how that experience, that ultimate experience can be transformed into love. And Brother Lawrence says the same thing. These emotional problems, these deficiencies, these personal imperfections, which are not satisfactorily explained, I'm reading again from the text, yet many saints have found in their faith and living uh, in the living Christ, the means to fill every void with presence and with love. Yes. And that's the great challenge. That's why we turn to the saints. That's why we listen uh, to great uh, spiritual leaders like Brother Lawrence, so that we can understand not how necessarily they did it, because we don't live their life, but what clues they can give us along the way. You know, we've talked about St. Teresa of Avila so many times, Francis, and the fact that she lived such a difficult life in so many respects and a much longer life than so many of the contemporaries that she taught uh, who raised themselves to heights of spiritual and mystical union uh, much more quickly than she did. Uh, But we believe it is because she had to mark out the path for so many others. And it is interesting that with that litany that you and I perhaps could run of so many saints, as could many of our listeners, 
we don't talk about the the contemporaries of Teresa as much as we talk about Teresa because she marked out that path for us. Right. And Brother Lawrence marked out that path as well. And I, I'm just going to pick on, on the last letter real briefly yeah. here. He says, The most painful sufferings do not ordinarily seem unbearable unless we look at them from the wrong perspective. <laughs> How interesting that is. So we have to ask ourselves, from what perspective are we looking at? Are we looking at it from a human most likely, but we should try to put, you know, ask God to help us see with his eyes. Brother Lawrence says, furthermore, when we are convinced that it is the hand of God at work in us, that he is a father full of love who allows us to endure humiliation, pain and suffering, all the bitterness is taken away and only the sweetness remains. In other words, he is confident that when God permits suffering to come in our life, that we shouldn't reject it, but that we should embrace it and ask God for the patience, the grace and the patience to and, and the strength to get through it and to grow closer to him through it. And And we have to always remember, too, that God allows us through sufferings to uh, be more in line with him and live the way of the cross with him, through him, and for him. I think that's one of the most difficult things for us as Christians to sort of reconcile in our own minds and in our hearts, and that is this idea, and, and Brother Lawrence expresses it in, in a somewhat different way, where you read, furthermore, we are convinced that it is the hand of God at work in us, and many saints have said, God does not create the suffering that we experience, but he does allow it, and he only allows it for our good. That's the big challenge, isn't it? God's the only one that can make good come out of suffering. Yeah, so many times, and we've expressed this as uh, uh, so many times we, we want to say to God, come back down into the world and fix the problems around me, whereas the Lord would be looking at us and saying, no, bring me those problems, and I'm going to fix you through them. Right. That is a challenge. That is a difficult message for us to uh, to sort of wrestle with. And, of course, it, it's not an intellectual challenge. We shouldn't be trying to figure out the, the mathematical formula that results in resolution. What we should be trying to do is give ourselves over in humility, in in uh, rec- uh, um uh, abandonment uh, to that will mm-hmm. in confidence and despite the circumstances that may be uh, plaguing us in so many ways we have to give that over and that's that's a difficult thing and and again I'll say I think the best that the saints can do is present a model for us because their circumstances will be different than ours right but and and we know that the suffering is beneficial and it helps us to realign our priorities. And God loves it when we depend entirely on him yeah. rather than on ourselves. I, I do think there is, um, um, well, suffice to say, we will do a program on this because I think there's so much to be said, not just about the benefit of suffering. You know, I, you, you will hear it said, well, uh, because you're suffering now, you're modeling Christ more more proactively or you're manifesting his experience. And I think all that's true, but I think there's more to be said about Absolutely, that and how we embrace that suffering and how we work through it. Because what we should not do is try to minimize the reality of it. I think oftentimes right. um, uh, uh, members of, uh, of the Christian Brotherhood uh, think it, it's um, our challenge to dispense with suffering and, again, to invite God back in and say, God, take this away. And, you know, God would manifest himself if he would only remove this obstacle. And, you know, you and I have had this conversation before where we've said, look at the most difficult thing in your life. Look at the most challenging thing in your life. The thing that you would most often say, God, please take this away. That's probably the thing that God's most deliberately using to purify your soul, to yeah. perfect your soul. And that's a difficult thing. You know, this morning we had the reading of uh, Naaman uh, and the healing of the uh, the sores, the leprosy on his body. And I heard a, a wonderful homily from a local priest who talked about how that um, uh, uh, physical manifestation of the disease of leprosy, a horrible disease, is really representative of the souls, the, the sores rather, within the soul as a consequence of sin. This is the condition of our soul. This is the human experience. Um, and the washing uh, seven times, of course, the number seven in biblical uh, means completeness and wholeness. It also talks about, though, the seven deadly sins and, and needing to purge ourselves of those seven deadly sins. And so much of what Lawrence has to say to the people he's writing to this evening deals with how to purify ourselves, but using the suffering that we experience in our life to do that. Let's go to the first letter here, uh, okay. Francis, if we can. 
Lawrence says, um, again, except that he's writing to to other people here, and oftentimes he'll quote uh, scripture or other uh, folks that he's familiar with. My God, I am all yours, he says. Lord, fashion me according to your heart. And isn't this the prayer of our Lord in the garden, right? Uh, We give ourselves over. My God, not my will, but your will be done. This is a difficult prayer, isn't it, Francis? Yes, and it it's one that is an example of putting our confidence in God, knowing that whatever happens to us, He will make good of it, and you know to trust, you know that uh, God does love us, and that He does His um, He does make good come of it. God, He that. says, has infinite treasures to give us. This is a challenging message that that Brother Lawrence quotes. God, He says has infinite treasures to give us, yet we're satisfied with a bit of perceptible devotion that passes in an instant. Uh, He complains that we are blind since we bind God's hands in this way and halt the abundant flow of his graces. Yet when God finds a soul penetrated by an intense faith, faith was Brother Lawrence's principal virtue. He said that. At the end, he said, all I had was faith. Faith, he says, he pours out his graces in abundance. Those who are empowered by the breath of the Holy Spirit, he says, sail along even when asleep, dependent on this faith. This is his, uh, of course, his first letter to to a nun who had written to him asking for guidance and counsel and, and, and a way of dealing with the difficulties in her own life. And if we don't latch on to that consolation but keep our focus on God, then this is the result of, of this intense faith. faith. Brother Lawrence says, this torrent of his grace impeding from running in its ordinary course, expands impetuously and abundantly once it has found an outlet. So when we open ourselves, we might be flooded. And But the thing here is not to be attached to the consolation because it's the love, the love of God. Whatever we do must be for the love of God to please him. Yeah, and, and going back again, not wanting to spend the whole evening talking about the suffering, but the... the um uh, resigning ourselves to it to some extent, accepting it, and eventually embracing it is what opens that pathway. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm not at the point yet where I'm embracing my suffering. I'm still sort of struggling. We have to ask for the grace, yeah. right? <laughs> we can't do it on our own. That's true. No, we can't. <laughs> I made the resolution, he says to a spiritual director in his second letter, I made the resolution to give myself entirely to God in atonement for my sins. Now, if you remember our story, Brother Lawrence um, had had those difficult years in the military, and we think he probably, uh, unfortunately, participated in some of the uh, rough and tumble experiences of the armies and the conflict that he was in, or even just watched it, and those images stayed with him and haunted right. him. He saw the dark side of the world, which, um, by the way, we also talked, Francis, how uh, our forebears, the the men who settled on Mount Carmel. Um, had left the world in in a pursuit of peace uh, because they'd witnessed the terrible uh, tragedies of the Crusades in so many ways, the terrible yeah, tragedies of the Crusades. war can be very Crusades. terrible. He says, I made this resolution to give myself entirely to God and to re- in atonement for my sins and to renounce everything else for the sake of his love. During the first years, now this will be the experience of so many of us, during the first years, he says, I ordinarily thought about death, about judgment, about hell, Paradise, yes, and my sins when I prayed. So he's taking the counsel that so many saints have given. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing morbid about reflecting on uh, death, our inevitable judgment before God, um, hell, a consequence, a reality for those who choose otherwise. Uh, Paradise is good consolation. Uh, And it's okay to reflect on our sins, not in specific, I don't think the saints would counsel that, but to acknowledge that we are a sinful people, that we are fallen, that we are... Um, guilty on occasion uh, of failing to live up to the fullest expression of the human person, and that is uh, living out love in all in all cases. Again, we've talked about not being loved, but becoming love itself. Uh, and we un- unfortunately fail at that. And he's saying, take some time, reflect on that. It's perfectly appropriate. And that's when he was royally into the more meditative state of prayer. And then he really goes forward into this practicing of the presence and then that becomes his main way of praying. Right. So uh, there's a big change here from a meditative stance of prayer to a, a more contemplative stance. 
He also says, and we're in the early stages now of his providing this counsel, and then we're going to take a break. It seems to me, he says, that all creatures and reason and God himself were against me during this time, and that faith alone was on my side. So he still believes, Francis. He's holding on to that belief. Other times, he says, I thought I was willingly damning myself. There was no salvation for me. When I accepted the fact that I might spend my life suffering from these troubles and anxieties, which in no way diminished the trust that I had in God and served only to increase my faith, at that moment, he says, I found myself changed all at once in my soul until that time, uh, always in turmoil, all of a sudden experienced a deep inner peace. So what Lawrence is counseling is accept your fate, put it in God's hands, leave it there, and at some moment we'll experience this consolation that... uh, that we hear about from yeah. so many of the saints. It just reminds me of that scripture passage, abide in me. Right. You know? Well, the quick uh, hint that I wanted to give on the poet is this is a 20th century male poet, obviously. We could tell that from the voice. He was reading his own poetry. Uh, I'll even say he was an American poet. Uh, so if you think you know the answer to that, send us an email or give us a call. I'm going to get you to read the email, Francis. But the phone number is, again, one 6279 And the email... Carmelite.conversations at yahoo.com. Carmelite was a capital C. (laughs) Who did we start the program off with? We'll be back just after a short break.
back. We don't have any responses on our uh, our question regarding the poet who began our program. We're going to let that go a little longer. Um, Francis, should we mention anything about the car, or should we wait? On that? <laughs> that we'll little wait on Toyota that. that comes in the Cracker Jacks? <laughs> yeah. The plastic one, exactly. Uh, well, let's move on with Brother Lawrence's counsel. Francis, there was a section in here I thought that you wanted to point out on um, letter two. Do you want me to read it, and then you can comment on it? Okay. Uh, I consider myself, and, and again, we're picking up on this theme that he started with um, recognizing our condition before God. And there's nothing, as I said, there's nothing um, uh, that we should despair about or become discouraged over. But he says, I consider myself as the most miserable of all human beings, covered with sores, foul and guilty of all sorts of crimes committed against my king. By the way, this same language comes to us from all the Carmelite saints. So let's temper this a little bit. Um, We can speculate on where Brother Lawrence may have led some of his early life, but uh, I suspect there may be um, the, the revelation of the greatness of God that he's manifesting here. In other words, the, when we come to see ourselves before our Lord, we do uh, uh, perceive ourselves in this light. Um, it shouldn't be necessarily perceived as uh, an actual reflection of his uh, behavior uh, at some earlier stage of his life. We simply don't know. Moved by sincere remorse, he says, I confess all my sins to him. I ask him to pardon and abend to pardon me, and abandon, and I abandon myself into his hands so he can do with me as he pleases. What do you think, Francis? Well, I think he was spoiled, <laughs> just like Teresa of Avila. She said that the, the more she saw herself humbled and base and vile, the more God graced her. And this is the same thing that Brother Lawrence is experiencing. And I think it's a, a sense of a dark night, um, like John the Cross would talk about, seeing yourself this way. But at the same time, it's a great grace because I think the closer you become to God, the more united to God, the more you see his infinite greatness and the more you realize your littleness and your great dependence on him. But that is a good thing to realize because when you uh, know that, then you will more quickly turn to him for everything. And he likes that. And he wants us to, you know, be strong and fervent in our faith. And he will respond to that. So I challenge our listeners to step out in faith, to look at yourselves, uh, see who you are before God, go to confession frequently, and, you know, abandon yourselves into this loving Father who's eternal, who's in heaven, who knows everything, who loves you deeper than anyone ever possibly could, and you will find that he will be there to help you. You know, and we talked last week, Francis, that certainly there are the realities of our sinful nature that we have to deal with, and we have to uh, spend some time reflecting and and sort of uh, digging up, if you will, those uh, those hurts and those wounds and those sores, some of which were imposed on us, by the way. We may have suffered from uh, uh, difficult personalities in our life, parents or siblings or coworkers or what have you, and, and some of that uh, affected us in ways that it's difficult to pull out the roots of those experiences, and uh, they may diminish our capacity for love and for charity and, and that's for what sin hope. does, yeah. Exactly. It diminishes that capacity to, to be love, and this is a difficult thing. Uh, that has to be uprooted. And all Brother Lawrence is teaching us here is the reality of the difficulty of it. You know, there's another analogy from this weekend's um, uh, gospel reading that I think is important where Christ drives the uh, the money changers out of the temple, right? And so often we say to ourselves, well, why would Christ have done that? Why does he manifest that anger that that results in his literally, it says, whipping uh, the, the money changers out of the temple? Well, of course, we have to see that in the context of what that message is meant to imply, and that is the Lord showing us the degree to which we must do violence to ourselves to uproot the sin that is within us. So does this mean that we whip ourselves or that we scourge ourselves? Well, um, th- th- there's certainly a history of that in the church, but uh, we'll have plenty of whippings and scourgings on our own from the world if we just put ourselves in God's hands and say to him, I'm willing to have the surgery. I'm willing to have the work done on me. And what happens is, and this goes back to our discussion about suffering, the world will challenge our lack of patience. It will challenge our fits of anger. It will challenge our, our um, uh, you know, selfishness. And it will allow us to, unfortunately, bring it to the surface. And then at least we'll know it's there. 
Right. You can deal with it. <laughs> yes, if you don't know it's there, you can't do anything much about it. So, And for somebody like Brother Lawrence or those who uh, spend more time in solitude and uh, silence, uh, the Lord has a way of showing them their condition without benefit of the interaction they might have with so many other people, right? We've had this discussion where we say, well, gee, you know, somebody who lived behind the monastery walls for so many years had to be able to uh, see their sin and wrestle with it and achieve spiritual heights and so forth. Well, we have no fewer opportunities to do that in the real world. It's just done differently. We experience our brokenness through our continual interaction with other people, and we manifest behaviors that demonstrate to us um, that we're not done yet. You know, the work in perfecting our soul and our love is not done yet. Yeah, we have to purify purify our intentions, purify our hearts. And I'm thinking, as you were saying that about, you know, Jesus and the money changers and him clearing that out, you know, how we need to clear out our soul. And what confession is a great way to do that, isn't it? Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we're talking about the sociocultural or psychological challenges that we face that reveal to us our deficiencies. But sometimes they actually do manifest themselves in physical ailments. Yes. You know, whether conditions of the skin, of the heart, of, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the um, uh, respiratory system. There are all kinds of ways that sin can manifest itself in our body. Why is this? Because our soul... And our human nature are connected, right? Our body and soul are connected. And so the deficiencies in the soul can find their way into the body. We're getting back to this discussion about suffering. If we accept that, if we accept it in love and we turn it over to God, he can heal us. Just like he did uh, Naaman this morning in the gospel, or I'm sorry, the Old Testament reading. Uh, but if we resist it, if we fight it, if we push it off, if we say, no, 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 there shouldn't be suffering in my life, otherwise God's not in my life then we lose the opportunity to achieve the graces, to, to, to experience the graces that he wants to give us. What other thing, though, has to be true, Francis, in this uh, situation? Uh, because there are other things that, that manifest themselves. Uh, our attachments, right? Our yes. passions, our loves. And what does Lawrence say about that? Well, he says, I know that to do this, and that's practicing the presence, your heart must be empty of all other things because God desires to possess it exclusively and he cannot possess it exclusively without first emptying it of everything other than himself. Neither can he act within it nor do there what he pleases. That reminds me of John of the Cross, doesn't it, you? Yeah, exactly. And also Philippians 2 where uh, we read that Christ uh, you know, didn't uh, um, see his sonship with God something to be grasped at, but rather he emptied himself like a slave, right? Um, this is a difficult this is a difficult experience, but so this is not the sin necessarily. It's not the uh, the, the psychological experiences that we have with patience, anger, and the rest. It's not the physical manifestation. This is that series of attachments that we have. And even the smallest thing, what is John of the Cross? What's the analogy he uses of the bird? Remember the string uh, attached to the oh, bird? Oh, yes. Yeah, even if it's a small string, you know, if it's still attached, he, this bird doesn't fly away. So right. even though it's a very slight thing, you must chop it in order to be free. Whatever it is that you place between yourself and God is that attachment, is that uh, distraction, is that passion. Uh, and you're right, it can be something very small. Um, you know, somebody used an analogy one time, well, I love this pen, you know, and I write my sermons with this pen, or I write uh, uh, reflections with this pen, but boy, I love this pen. If you lost that pen, you'd be devastated, right? Well, that pen may be that attachment between you and <laughs> and That's a little thing, isn't it? Yeah, and, and again, uh, we talked last week that sometimes it's very deceptive, it's very subtle. Um, and what we perceive to be the very best, the most admirable things in our life, like devotions, Francis. And Brother Lawrence has something to say about devotions, but those very devotions can become an attachment, can't they? Yes, they absolutely can, because we got to think, oh, we got to, you know, finish the whole thing, or if we mess up one, then it doesn't count. And he says, we must not seek consolations, but must do this practice of the presence of God for the motive of loving God alone. 
That's the bottom line. So if you're in the midst of devotions and it's brought you to this presence of God, brought you to the love, then that's where you need to stay. You you shouldn't like, okay, Lord, later I got to finish my devotions or it won't count. No, once you once you've gotten to the means to the end, it, once you've got to the end, even though you haven't finished the devotion, you want to stay with God because that's the whole point. And doesn't Teresa say something exactly like that in yes. her counsel on prayer? Yes, absolutely. Um, when we get attached to the consolation, that's going to deter us. Um, and the bottom line, again, is love of God. And she says when we've begun, for example, a rosary or a, a, or even the divine office or whatever method we may be using to enter into that inner uh, chamber, mm-hmm. once we're there, once the Lord has ushered us in, stop. Stay there, rest with him. This is the practice of the presence of God. Right. Brother Lawrence talks about make of our hearts an oratory or make your um, soul a, a spiritual temple. I really like those analogies. He also says, now I'm in the fourth letter, which he's also written to a nun. He says, God will not permit a soul desirous of being entirely his to find consolation other than in him, that is, in God. And that is more than reasonable, Brother Lawrence says, <laughs> very <laughs> practically. He says it's more than reasonable. And so we struggle with, why was this removed from me, God? Why did you take away that relationship? Why did you take away this loved one? Why did you take away my occupation? Why did you take away anything? So much of what we lose uh, throughout the course of our life, we can ask the Lord, why did you take these things away? And the Lord might well answer, I want to be the single focus of your life. Everything, you know, we've talked about the joy, the suffering, the faith, the hope. Uh, everything has to be in solitude, singularity, focused on God. God is the center of it. And that's a difficult thing to do. And these experiences that we have in um, our daily life are all part of it. They're not accidental. They're not inconsequential. They're not above and beyond. They're not added to they are part of that walk and they become part of that walk when we work in faith and we say yes lord i accept your will and this is so applicable to each and every one of us in our daily life on our daily situations so um, we want to try to recollect us ourselves by turning to god within in every moment, as we start something in the midst of it, uh, Brother Lawrence talks about darting uh, a prayer, you know, like, uh, you know, God be with me, God give me the grace, or God I love you, uh, all kinds of, of little phrases that were like a, uh, I mean, if you're like a warrior, you can even think of like a bullet shot that pierces the heart of Jesus and, you know, explodes in grace. And, and with Brother Lawrence being a soldier, you know, he was very much of the mindset of what war and soldier and battle was all about, and he takes it to a spiritual realm. And and he says in the last part of this uh, fourth letter, uh, do not become discouraged, he says. And again, he's talking about um, the repugnance that our nature might feel with regard to some of the trials, some of the difficulties, some of the detachment that we have to go through. Distractions, aridness. Yeah. That. Do, do not become discouraged, he said, by the repugnance that you feel on the side of nature. Uh, uh, again, our, our natural uh, inclination. Uh, you know, the, the saints talk about uh, different levels of the soul, and they will say, at the highest level of my soul, I know, you know, I know the truth and I know the experience. But my nature is experiencing this repugnance. I'm resisting uh, the struggle. I'm resisting the suffering. I'm resisting the confusion. I'm resisting perhaps my own deficiency, recognizing oftentimes our own failings and limitations and deficiency is among the most difficult um, uh, a part of this journey in having to accept, yes, I guess I don't have that great talent that I wished that I had, or uh, I'm not going to, uh, you know, uh, be ministering in that in that particular area where I for so long had thought that I might. Uh, these two are the trials that we, we wrestle with in our nature, and Brother Lawrence very bluntly says, you must do it violence. And of course, we know this is scriptural as well, right? The heaven is taken by storm, and the violent, rather, take it by storm. What, what he's saying is, 
We must do violence to our nature. We must not allow our nature to minimize the pursuit of our spirit, this union with God. Yes, and he says you must continually resolve to persevere until death in spite of all the difficulties. So I like this here that he points out this resolve, this resolution, and of course, coming from Teresa of Avila, the determination to persevere. So he's picking up on her theme there. So we need to be uh, resolute in our determination to practice the presence of God and to uh, maybe have outward signs to help remind us to go within, to be with God within, even if it's for a second. Maybe it could be every time the you're at the top of the hour, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, say, okay, that's my reminder to just take a brief few seconds. And, you know, the more you do this, the easier it will get. And Brother Lawrence himself says, you know, it was very difficult for him at first. Took 10 years, right? Yeah, when, he, uh, how many of us have been in the, the battle of, of, of pursuing the Lord and uh, practicing something like the practice of the presence of God? Um, with perseverance, with patience, uh, with deliberateness now for 10 years. I can't, I can't honestly yeah. say that I've been at it for 10 years yet. So yeah. I've, I'm, I'm given a pass. I feel <laughs> some time you got ago. a couple more years, huh? <laughs> yeah, Until we get that 40 years <laughs> of peace. <laughs> of course, uh, uh, Teresa Vavala laments that, uh, so many of the young sisters entering her convent, taking her counsel, uh, would be raised to the same level of uh, union that she had taken, uh, you know, 30 and 40 years yeah. to. God <laughs> to, can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. All we right. got to do is try to cooperate, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, let's talk for a moment, Francis. Uh, so I'm trying to practice this presence of God, and throughout the course of the day, I'm, I have some success, especially when I start the day. But boy, by the time I hit the office, boom, it, out the door it goes. I'm distracted. I have all these uh, things trying to pull at my attention and so forth. Uh, what's happening to me and what does Brother Lawrence say I should do about that? Because he's giving some really good counsel here. He says an easy way to keep the mind from wandering during the time of mental prayer, and that's the time we set aside especially to talk with God, is to keep it as still as possible. Keep your mind as still as possible, not to let it take flight during the day. You must keep it faithfully in God's presence. And once you are accustomed to think of him from time to time, it will be easy to remain calm during prayer, or at least to bring the mind back when it wanders. Okay, I got a challenge here. When's the last time you went to mass and your mind did not wander? So if we practice this presence of God throughout the day, you know, it should help us be more um, present during the sacrifice of the Holy More Mass. More recollected, yeah. Yes. It's, um, he's, he's hitting a couple of points here that the, the great Carmelite saints would advocate. Uh, one is this idea of proximate and remote pre- preparation. Meaning? Uh, remote yeah. preparation, of course, is what we do throughout the course of the day to dispose ourselves. You know, we've said this so many times. If you spend three hours a day listening to talk radio and then you think you're going to jump into prayer, you're probably going to spend a long time getting recollected. So this is one example. If you've spent a great deal of time watching television, music, engaged in conversation, he says, and this is something that Brother Lawrence is actually um, one of the more difficult messages he, he has to communicate, but he explains it. He says, we must uh, remove ourselves from creatures, right? Remove right. ourselves from other persons uh, as much as we can. He says, don't be engaged in these lengthy conversations. Uh, and I forget who it is that says, I seldom have wandered the world in conversation and not come back a lesser man. I think it was <laughs> Francis de Sales, actually, who yes. said that. Uh, but, but this is Brother Lawrence's counsel. So remote preparation. Proximate preparation, of course, is what we do just prior to entering this recollection in this state of prayer. So he says, don't let these things overwhelm us. He also says this point you read, Francis, about keeping the mind still. One of the ways to aid that is actually keeping the body physically still. We should try to slow down our breathing. We should still our motions, physical motions, um, Try to find a posture that is comfortable, but nonetheless allows us to uh, minimize our movement. And these things contribute, again, the unity between soul and, and, and body. They, they help us uh, to still the mind, to still the heart, to still the soul, and to enter into that quiet space that he's advocating we could be in throughout the course of the day. So is this a good time to maybe mention some suggestions to help us um, practice this presence? I, I think it is. I notice you have a list of things that um, uh, are, are designed for just that purpose, uh, you know, sort of uh, 
uh, quick notes of um, of suggestions that facilitate what we're trying to uh, uh, do in practicing the presence. Would you like to share those yeah, with us? This is from a book called Practicing the Presence of the Living God, a retreat with Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection by Jean Maloff, M-A-A-L-O-U-F. It's an ICS publication. And in it, she gives a list of suggestions that she gets from Brother Lawrence. One, begin the day with God in your mind and heart. Two, pray. Three, secure a private place and a regular time to connect with God. Four, read a few lines from Scripture and ponder them. Five, love solitude and silence. Spend a few moments alone with God. Six, keep God at the center of our lives. Seven, be thankful. Don't take anything for granted. Eight, Acknowledge God's presence by taking time to rejoice in the Lord in every situation. Nine, share the faith with others. Ten, radiate God's presence. Eleven, do what you do for the love of God. And twelve, practice, practice, practice. And like I tell my son, who's a, a an avid swimmer, um, perfect practice makes perfect so we, we must practice it, but not only that, we have to work at perfect practice. Yeah, and he says also, I think, a significant contributing factor. He says, I know that to reach this state, the first steps are very difficult. He knows. He's been there. He went through it, and, and it took him 10 years, he says, before he really uh, had practiced enough to get there. But he says, and, and I also know that we must act purely in faith. We've heard the term naked faith before, mm-hmm. right? It is, and again, this is not a intellectual resolution. It begins with the intellect, and it is supported by our reasoning capabilities. But this type of faith is not found in our head. It's found in our heart. It's a knowing uh, a confidence, as uh, uh, Therese would tell us, a knowing confidence that everything that is happening in our life, short of our uh, willing intent to sin, again, we have to, we have to remove that, uh, but short of that, uh, our deliberate effort, I guess, to sin. And short of that, everything that is being introduced into our life is confusing and, and conflicting and, and difficult as it may be, um, is really God's will playing out. And what we have to figure out is how would we respond to that? And if we don't know how to respond, we simply pray about it, right? And then we leave it in God's hands and we say, you're responsible for the outcome, Father. Uh, you know, this is, at times, this is all we can do. This is that naked faith, yeah. right? Yeah, success isn't what's important here. It's just our effort, you know, our, our effort to do God's will. And when we practice this faith, I can't think of... Um, I mean, one of the best people to look at is Brother Lawrence. He really flexed that faith muscle, didn't he? He did. Um, and, and I want to wrap up with two things. Um, this idea of faith, especially in the context of suffering again, Francis, we talked about this, his 14th letter uh, to a 